Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. <laughs> The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. It is Ryan here and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void were prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18. Plus. Hello and welcome to the first Brighton Rock podcast of 2021. Happy New Year to all our listeners. I say all under the um, implication that there are more than one. Hopefully there is. Um, but um, a very warm welcome to this first one of the year. And joining me and Peter uh, again are, well, we've got um, Richard Holberton back, um, becoming a regular now. You, you could be the new... Uh, I don't know, the new Davy Proper, maybe, if he's coming back into the equation. Who knows? And we uh, welcome <laughs> back to you, Richard. Thank you, Ross. Happy New Year to you and everyone. Yeah. And we also welcome Andy Knott back. Hello, Andy. Hello. Let's hope 2021 is better than 2020. Probably Absolutely. won't be. <laughs> Probably the positive won't be. outlook there, Andy. <laughs> <laughs> and it's a challenge not to be as well, and yet it still probably won't. Oh, dear, oh, dear. <laughs> well, um, New Year's resolutions. Richard's decided to call himself Dawn for the new year, um, and he's doing Sudoku puzzles um, while online, and Peter is resolving to um, swear and moan about Leeds even more than he has done in the previous year. That's about right, isn't it, boys? <laughs> yeah, cue loads of people turning off, especially the millions of Leeds followers we have. <laughs> We'll we'll come to one of the reasons why that might be the case in a little while. Um, first of all, um, just a couple of couple of bits really. Um, one thing, just on reflection from Arsenal. Um, well, in fact, a couple of things uh, from the Arsenal game. Um, apart from going old bollocks because uh, it was pretty disastrous result again for us. Um, we had um, an email from one of our listeners, Alan Dodd, who says um, he's been enjoying the show and he wanted to make the observation that perhaps. Potter's selections for that Arsenal game were to put players in the shop window, um, which is an intriguing notion. But it might, you know, maybe there is an element of that in some way. Didn't um, work. Didn't work if it did, <laughs> no. Um, and I noticed Josh on his podcast has said that um, it was a case of maybe him trying to send a message to the board about the need for better strike options. Who knows if either of those are true. What we do know is we've got to improve on that performance when we play Wolves in what will be this evening's game as we speak. We're recording this lunchtime on, I think it's Saturday, isn't it? I'm still trying to keep track of the days. (laughs) Um, 
So we'll, we'll see what happens. But um, in terms of the Wolves game, we'll just go quickly onto that before we get on to the other fun of the day, which is the general football news, a reflection of the news of the year in view, and a quiz, our first and maybe only one of the year, who knows, um, we'll come to that. Um, but on the matter of Wolves, I mean, it is a team who we've generally got a good record against. We've won 15 games, drawn 13, and lost only six in our history. Um, recently, even last year, although we weren't really having a great season, we, we still scraped out some good results against them. Um, the likelihood is, looking at recent results, a draw again. But um, it's almost, we're, we're desperate for that win now, aren't we? It's almost as if a draw wouldn't be enough, guys. Um, I don't know who wants to go first on this. Not Richard, you're nodding, or Dawn, if I can call you that. Um, <laughs> you're nodding away. Um, he's on his, his wife's iPad, in case you're wondering. Um, I'm glad you cleared that up, Russell. Any of your listeners were under the wrong impression. Um, what's your views on it? Have we got to win this now for the sake of the psychological elements alone? I think, yeah, I think, you know, it's hard to call a game a, a must-win game at this point of the season, but it's pretty close to it, in my view. Um, hmm. I think, you know, my broader concern would be that, you know, if we don't win today or soon, there's a possibility that, you know, we end up as one of four teams who kind of, part company with the rest of the league and uh, you know three of them get relegated which you know we don't pull out of this slump is a distinct possibility I think you know today is actually a hard one to call um, both teams have got significant injuries um, their results have been a bit recent results have been a bit mixed um, both teams have have are having trouble finding the net so I don't think it's going to be a goal fest Um but yeah, we need a break. We need a win from somewhere. And if it's a deflection or an own goal or something, don't really care. We need three points. Yeah. Um, Andy, um, thoughts on this one? I know uh, you don't like the word must, must, the words must win, do you? But, um... I, I, I like the must win um, words towards the end of the season yeah. when they're six pointers. Um, and this isn't one of them. Um, but I do take the point that kind of psychologically we're not in a great place at the moment. Um, you know, uh, uh, the Hawks are circling over Potter, as it were. Um, it's not quite clear to read what Bloom's going to do on that front, if he's going to prioritise Premier League survival or the project, um, which is what I'd align with Bloom. Um I wasn't. Uh, um, in, uh, I'm just because I haven't been on for a few games. Uh, let me go. I mean, the Arsenal selection was strange, um, and you've speculated on a couple of reasons why already. Um, I can't quite see why he didn't um, uh, uh, not play Mope, for instance, against um, West Ham, such that he could play against um, Arsenal. Um, I think we should have started with what I'd call a conventional striker. Um, having said that, you know, we weren't awful in that game, um, but the overabiding thought of... Uh, uh, my, my thought was that once we went behind, I just knew we weren't going to score. Um, yeah. uh, um, whatever happened. But um, I was actually quite impressed with Jahan Bash in that game. Um, I, th I thought he bust a gut um, and... And really kind of, I wouldn't say that he led the line well, but he, he put in the shift that you expect for a centre-forward, unsettling defenders and so forth. 
Um, he had one half decent shot, um, one that he, sh- he couldn't keep down. Um, and I also thought, which wasn't mentioned for that game, that um, Potter was on to something with Bernardo um, because Gross kind of dropped deeper and Sanchez was kicking long towards Bernardo, who had the beat in, I think, almost every time Bellerin in the air. Um, but also an, another Bernardo's strength is his pace. Uh, the West Ham game was was kind of like the normal games that we have, isn't it? Um, frustrating. Um, and in terms of this Wolves game, um, as um, Richard says, I'm not expecting goals uh, or many goals, probably any goals. Um, uh, Wolves are an extremely well-organised side. Um, and we will find it extremely difficult to break through them. Um, yeah. But I suppose the key thing is whether they, they can score. Yeah, I know, Andy, you've been teasing me about my lack of book reading uh, in recent times, and it's certainly uh, justified. I think um, in terms of narratives, if we can do a little tenuous segue, uh, I think there's two narratives at play here for me. One is that... Um, talking about the breaking the run of games we certainly need to break that um negative narrative that's in danger of very quickly swallowing graham up in terms of you know the the, the sway of fans going against him um makes it very difficult to then try and do what i think the club would want to do which is to try and feed all the way through for the, for the whole of the season um and maybe into next year even if we went down i think that's what they would probably um go with that's my hunch um so I think that's that's one of the one of the narratives I think at play here, and that's certainly one to, to be avoided. Um, the other one um, has just gone straight out of my head, just as I was about to say. I can't remember what it was now, but it, I think it was ultimately something to do with the fact that uh, we uh, we need to keep evolving. I think and ideas coming into us, you know, this this situation with Bernardo in that game that was in, an interesting point that hasn't been made. You're right. Um, I think. Uh, proper as well was another interesting one. I thought he actually did quite well, and he gave us a bit more urgency, intent, and incision to a degree. Not not enough of a degree, but you know, for a first game back after well, quite a long time out, um, presumably for injuries, we were not quite sure exactly what's going on there. But whatever the reason, he's been out for a while. Uh, it was difficult to get back into the into the swing, wasn't it? And um, I guess that's. That's where we're at, really. It's a curious selection. Hopefully, we are going to use Proper as part of the squad because I think he offers something, particularly in the absence of Lalana. If he's playing further forward, you've got a couple of options there. One other point I made, I think, on the last podcast was about McAllister. I think there's a great player in there. And if we played him in a consistent run of games, um, whether we can afford the luxury of trying to do that, but that's the way to get the best out of him. He's another guy that could be certainly a good um, comp, uh, well, a, a good alternative to Lalana as and when Lalana's not available. Um, I would like to see us use both those players, but they're playing so infrequently that um, I wonder how much of an impact they can truly have if they're coming in sporadically like that. But um, the narr- the other narrative, ultimately, is what I'm saying is is about how we're going to develop the team selections because it's it's not great at the moment. I think it's uh, it, it's a struggle. Um, we he doesn't seem to be able to settle. And yeah, Andy. 
Yeah, Potter, Potter's mentioned that he needs to trim the squad, and it's it's quite obvious that we we need to trim the squad. I mean, I I can't understand why he kept Malumbi, for instance. Um, you know, he's played him for about two or three minutes. Uh, you talk about proper. Uh, I've always liked proper, um, and yeah, he uh, um, provided some reminders as to why we liked him. Although he was beginning to fade when they got their goal. Yeah, it's understandable, of course. Yeah, at that point. it mm. it was, but um, yeah, we've we've got far too many players in the squad. We we could do shipping five or six out, I think, um, effectively and ideally, um, getting a striker in that can score some goals. Um, but we're all saying that that needed to happen early. It hasn't, you know, that there are no noises about it. The the transfer window's open. Um, I suppose after this afternoon, evening's game, um, we don't have another one in the Premier League, I don't think, for two weeks, do we? Um, so that would give us, a, you know, it perhaps isn't quite as urgent as, you know, you've got to get them in on, on the 1st of January. But, um, yeah. Yeah, I mean, Peter's point is that either we need to get a striker or get rid of the manager um, I mean, I, I'm still oriented towards uh, um, getting a striker in. Um, but the reason why I like Potter is precisely because of the long-term um, factor. Yeah. And it, it may well be that we have to accept relegation. Um, and to go back to something that Richard said, it, I mean, it really does look as though four teams are, are getting kind of cut adrift at the moment um, uh, you know the likes of Palace and Newcastle who we've been talking about you know potentially dropping in into it um, they keep on picking up points um, I mean Zahar has had a habit of scoring this season hasn't he and Wilson has been a, unfortunately a good signing for Newcastle but, I mean the, the bottom four can't really buy any wins can they mm. so. yeah um, Richard well, I was just going to say to your, to your point earlier, Russell, on, the, on you know the narratives that are at play, and there are plenty of them. I think you know one thing that struck me watching Potter's post-match comments after the Arsenal game was that he he looked and sounded more wearied and downhearted than I've than I've heard him, um, which in some ways is understandable. Um, it's a bit of a concern in that you know there's a need for him to re-energize the team and try and find some way of pulling us out of the slump that we're in at the moment. Um, you know, one thing to Andy's previous point, one thing I like about him or is, you know, he's shown a willingness to experiment with formations and selections and tactics. And, you know, I know there's a school of thought. Some people regard that as, as tinkering or, or, or guesswork. But you know, I think I, I hope it works out. And it's, I think, you know, there were some odd looking selections for, for that match, the Arsenal match. And I wonder whether that you know, the maxim would be if something that you've tried before isn't working and it clearly wasn't, you need to make changes and try something different. Um, and I think he's shown a willingness to do that. It, you know, you could say it didn't work or it didn't work immediately in the Arsenal game. Um, but I think uh, he's struggling to find the right combination and the right formula at the moment. And if, if some of that looks like, well, you know, suck it and see and try and find something that works... I think there's a there's a rationale for persisting with it, even if it looks a bit like, you know, desperation or try something different for the sake of trying something different. Yeah. And um, Peter, any 
final thoughts on the Arsenal game and, and, and things also that we need to be doing for this Wolves match? Well, I think the Arsenal game, yeah, everything's been said pretty much. I mean, it was, yeah, no one quite yeah. understands why he selected that, what the mm. purpose was. He was apparently quite, um, quite, quite brought back quite a lot on the press when they were talking to him in an interview pre-game this week about, you know, it's, you know, the, the team, he needs to kind of work players in, there's games over Christmas, there's, you know, quite a lot of games and he needs to rotate the squad on that sort of side of it, which does explain some bits, but doesn't explain why you play four players who barely played in the same starting eleven in a game we really wanted, you know, really could have won. And also doesn't explain why he didn't play a striker in a game when we're at home against the team we've beaten twice last season and who have been struggling until recently. So, yeah, um, I think there's a lot of things that Potter obviously isn't going to answer, but hasn't done. So in terms of today, I think, yes, I, I mean, I see Andy's point is not a must win. A must win doesn't happen until you've got like, technically only a must win into the last game of the season when you have to win to stay up or something. But on the other hand, we are in danger. I mean, I think the next team above us are Burnley with 16 points. If we don't, if we lose today, we'll almost certainly lose to Man City and they'll then have three games extra to get further ahead of us. And then the next mm. team up is, is on 19 points. And we really need to, you know, start pulling that back in. Otherwise, we are literally going to be in. Well, I, I won't call it a, a four-way race for three places. It's a, a, a worse a three-horse race for two places because Sheffield United are going down. If Sheffield United catch us, we're, we're definitely down. So they're irrelevant anyway, as far as I yeah. see. I don't see any way that they can catch us and us both stay up. So they are. I think was it? There's 14 points behind Burnley and 17 behind Palace and Newcastle. If they stay up, we're down. So in a way, they're irrelevant to us. So it's, yeah, it's going to the combination of West Brom, Fulham, and and I actually do think West Brom are going to struggle as well. I don't think they'll spend big, even though they've got Allardyce in. I think they'll try and get some pretty solid players and then try and like grind out one nil wins. But I think it might be too little too late. So then you're left with us or Fulham, who obviously are. And I, I do think, as I said the last last time out, Fulham will invest quite a lot in the team this this January because they found a formula that seems to work and they've got one position really that doesn't, and that's their their main striker with Mitrovic not starting. And so I think they'll go all out on a striker, in which case they may well be probably have a good chance of finishing above us. And then, you know, in, in a way, if we don't buy a striker this window, we deserve to go down because the board of, well, for whatever reason, have decided that we don't, we, we're not prioritising yeah. the position that we desperately need someone for. I saw a graphic. Um, actually, I'll, I'll just quickly mention something I'm not quite sure if I, we've mentioned on air, which was that Connolly was apparently injured, so he wouldn't have been able to play in that last game. Just wanted to make that point in case we haven't before. Um, in terms of the graphic I saw the other day, we were amongst the lowest spenders of the teams around us, um, in term, or apart from one, I think. Some, somebody spent less. So we oh, are... Presumably. Yeah, yeah. They've, they've just got new owners. Exactly, Burnley, exactly that. And, you know, we are where we are based on spending, aren't we? Ultimately, we've got to maybe spend a bit more to improve just that bit more that we need. Um, striker is the obvious um, position. There are other positions we could do with strengthening. I, I do think but... at the end of the day that if we do stay up this year, we could do with another quicker option, maybe on the left, and another option to alternative to, to Lamptey. If we're going to stick with three at the back, we need to have like kind of options that don't rely just on Lamptey basically being... I mean, we seem to play yeah. that, that, that style just to suit Lamptey, basically. I mean, it's the yeah. main person who benefits from it. And March of March, well. March as well. But yeah, the, hmm. the, the defence of, I think we've, it's been said on other, other groups that we're on that doesn't really benefit from it. The fact three don't seem to like it. And then other other players in other positions don't really benefit. So it is just literally seems to benefit Lamptey in March. And if Lamptey's out, arguably we should revert to a different hmm. formation, but we don't seem to do that. The, I mean, the problem there is um, for both the right wing back and the left wing back, we don't have backup really. Yeah. yeah. 
I mean, historically, we would have said that Bernardo could easily have fitted in there, but, um, mm. you know, he's out of favour. And despite what I said about the strengths that he revealed against Arsenal, he also revealed certain weaknesses of his. I mean, I, I thought he had the best opportunity in that game and um, he contrived to kind of dance around the ball. Uh, <laughs> in, yeah, I remember the moment. Uh, <laughs> Yeah, that wasn't wasn't great. Today is going to be obviously Traore has not been the same as he's been previous seasons, but last season we barely we, we weren't really able to deal with him, and I think we had about two or three bookings from players who were desperately trying to. I seem to remember Dan Burning about three attempts and eventually fouling him and getting booked. And can, can we? And obviously, if he we don't have a lot of pace in the back with with Lamptey missing, can we deal with with Traore if he does? play and if he if he does show his because while he's not on great form we have a habit of bringing players back into form by playing poorly against them and not yeah. uh, not doing that well I mean there's there's some players on good form isn't there like Pedence is looking good Neto's looking good mm. they've generally I mean they had a good a pretty good season until a brief lull but it looks like they're kind of fighting their way back into a bit of well, potential form Jimenez as well yeah I mean that's, that's right that since Jimenez got back yeah. in um, and it's not surprising because he's, no. you know, one of the top top forwards in the Premier League. Hundred percent. Yeah, yeah. Really rate yeah, him. And combination, uh, especially if it's in combination with Traore as well. Traore's probably missed his presence in the box when he's getting crosses in there. Yeah. Hmm. Fabio Silva's nowhere near as tall, so it's kind of. So. Yeah, yeah. Well, um, depending on when you're listening to this, hopefully it's before the um, the match, and we can still sound hopeful for you. Um, I don't know if it got any predictions for this. I really haven't got one for this one. I've got no idea what's going to happen. I think the likelihood is a draw um, because I think we've, we're just making a habit of doing that at home, to be honest, except when we're losing. <laughs> um, Not many goals is my prediction. Yeah, I think it's going to be, a, a, I think it might be a nil-nil, but I'm, I'm going to go one all on this one, I think. Peter? I'm going to go for us. Well on top, first half, not really testing the keeper. Pop <laughs> out. Second, second half, they come out, change their tactics. We can't deal with it. They win one nil with a with a goal that's probably slightly deflection or something. Or and then we you yeah mind, about the Arsenal game. We we don't look like ever getting back into it from that point. You reminded me of my um my uh, other set piece though. Yeah, <laughs> yeah set piece. Yeah. yeah. You reminded me what my other narrative point was going to be. It was going to be the recurring narratives, negative narratives, recurring narratives. So um, mentioning it is actually a recurring narrative of its own, isn't it? In fact, but there we go. And, and uh, Richard, any predictions for this game before we uh, move on to the next? Uh, in part uh, my, you know, my dispassionate prediction would probably be along the same lines as yours. The draw, you know, yeah. nil nil, nil nil, or maybe one or you know the. the the, the the hopeful part of me would would say you know we nick a one 0 win somehow yeah um, but that's, that's, that's probably hope that's probably hope rather than expectation sorry yeah. the average is that's... we must win at home at some point surely I mean we can't go a whole season touch through whilst uh, winning at home you we think? did say that before um, the Arsenal game as well <laughs> so, and yeah. yeah and eventually if you keep saying that you'd be right. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, it just depends clock's on how long you're prepared to wait to be right, doesn't it? Yeah. <laughs> a, a clock is correct twice a day, isn't it? So <laughs> a stopped clock, I mean, yeah. So um, there we go. Right, okay. Well, that's it for part one. In part two, we're going to get on to the general football news, um, where we're going to have a chance for Pisa to moan at Leeds. Stay tuned.
Okay, so part two then, folks. Um, and we're going to talk about the general football news that's um, occurred since the last episode. In fact, last episode when we were recording, the news was breaking, but I didn't have time to really comprehend what was happening until afterwards, um, which was on the 30th, um, which was the news that Leeds have got themselves into some hot water and have upset some people. Essentially, what happened was on one of the, I think it was one of the um, BT channels, um, they were there was uh, Karen Carney on there, who we've actually praised as a good pundit on this podcast before. She'd made comments at some point during the live coverage um, broadcast chat, um, a comment about Leeds, which essentially said they outrun everyone and credit to them. My only concern would be that they will blow up at the end of the season. We saw that the last couple of seasons. I actually think they got promoted because of COVID in terms of it gave them a bit of extra, um, a, a bit of respite. I don't know if they would have got up if they didn't have that break. And um, this is obviously also referring to the fact they did blow out the previous season to that. So that's what Karen Carney had said. Leeds then, um, Radrazani, the owner, has, has then had a tweet put out, which effectively criticised that, said it was out of order and effectively... Um, conspired to, well, incite, I think it was something like several thousand tweeted replies, quite a bit of which were abusive um, about Karen Carney. Um, Unfortunately, from an Albion point of view, there is an element to it as well, because Ben White retweeted it with a sort of, I think it was a smiley emoji or something like that, or something along those lines. Um, Not a very unfortunate situation. What it essentially has done, it's, it's the club doing something that for me I think they should never be doing which is creating a um, a shitstorm over something that for me was a perfectly valid, valid comment not only do I think that was correct but I think she's entitled to her opinion either way and for the club to criticise her and incite other fans to jump on board through their official channel is pretty disgraceful I think. Should we go to Peter first on this one? <laughs> yeah so Obviously, you know, my. I'm going to try and ignore my Leeds prejudices here and just try and look at it rationally. So football club doesn't like what sports what football commentator or football pundit says and tweets about it. If that was literally happened all the time, it happened. We'd literally football football clubs would have like a, a whole like line of like comments about commentators, like views and that sort of thing. Match of the day would be kind of like for every Saturday evening, people would be sitting on social media waiting for their club to comment on match of the day pundits. It's pathetic and it sums up the club as a whole, to be honest. And it, they must have known their fans would jump on it because a lot of them are basically morons. So as we found out during the, the um, during the COVID last year, when they were trying to basically accuse us of trying to lose, you know, kind of trying to stop the season and that sort of thing. So when you incite a lot of morons on social media to comment, they're going to comment. And sadly, one of our players has turned out to be one of those morons and really should have kept his mouth shut or kept his yeah. fingers shut. And to be honest, Ben White's continual sucking up to Leeds is actually getting quite annoying anyway. So he's loving with Leeds all the time. When he knows what a controversy there was this summer, he'd be better off shutting up about Leeds and not commenting on them. Nice, like it. He's really going to town, isn't he, guys? He's got his boxing gloves on for the new year. Let's see what you've got for Christmas. Um, um, I'm going to start off this towards my new, uh, my new anti-Leeds podcast called Marshing On Together. <laughs> Marshing On Together. Quality. Very good. You've just thought that up in, I know, in yeah. the last minute or so. I'm quite impressed with that. Right, Richard. Yeah, I, I, I'm, I, can't, I can't match Pete for vitriol, uh, so I'm not going to try. But, um, yeah, to your point, you know, if, if, if every comment that a pundit made that a club or someone at the club happened to disagree with, 
was a license to put something on your website saying I disagree with this, then, you know, that's just a road to nowhere, really. I, the point I was going to make, I mean, it's really, really unfortunate that it was a female pundit. And you do wonder whether if it hadn't, if it had been a male pundit, whether Leeds would have done the same thing. Who knows? Yeah, yeah. Um, you know, but I think, um, as you said, Russ, I mean, you know, some of some of the comment and the abuse that followed that was, and Leeds will say, you know, this isn't of our making. All we did on our official website was disagree with the comment. It's not our fault that loads of people then followed up with absolutely disgusting abuse, which strikes me as a bit of a flimsy defence, actually, and something that they should have anticipated. Yeah. Um, but it's, you know, it's doubly unfortunate because, you know, if you take this year, last year as a whole, one of the few bright spots, I think, was, you know, the the elevated profile of women's football, um, more female pundits uh, appearing on, on the broadcast channels. Um, and that was progress. But this this just illustrates how much further there is to go on that front. You know, yeah. the, the, the struggle goes on. But, you know, it's, yeah. it's, it's just a very, very unfortunate episode because there were positive signs and positive strides being made over the course of last year. Yeah, I agree with you there, Richard. I think I do wonder whether it, I agree with you whether it would have been done if it had been a, a the, one of the, the the traditional male pundits or whatever sort of thing. And yeah, and I'm sure Leeds would deny it and say they'd put it anyway. But and it's interesting that they're so touchy about it as well because I mean I I wouldn't care if people said that about my club. I mean we were quite openly I was quite openly saying the other day that I thought the um, break had helped Brighton last time the, um, the break in the season because we were on an awful run of form and actually we then won the Arsenal game straight afterwards. I'm, yeah, I think I'm quite open about that, and I, I and Leeds are hardly in a position to argue with it, considering they they did literally have that problem the year before that they. Well, it's a, it's, a, it's a pundit's job to to yeah. give opinions, and every so often, maybe frequently, a club's going to disagree with those opinions. Well, big deal, you know that. that so what? It suggests I mean, they do have in their mentality. They do think that that might be the case. If they didn't, if they thought it was ridiculous, they wouldn't have commented. But the fact that they commented so means they've obviously kind of are quite touchy about it because they think it might be true. I would say, yeah, exactly. I, I agree, and I was going to make the point about the female pundit element. Um, unfortunately, I mean, it, it's arch naivety at best, and we all know it isn't just that. It was more than it from Leeds, really. That they, they originally could have been, but they then refused to take it down, even though there's been all this abuse as well. Exactly, exactly. They knew what they were doing. They know what their fans are like, uh, or a number of their fans are like. And uh, they know what social media is like in general. It, it doesn't even have to be Leeds, any club. You're going to put something out there that's going to create a reaction and attract the dregs to, to join in or, or, or dominate um, a subject. That's what's going to happen. I do, I, and I agree, I don't like the undertones of the, uh, the fact it's, I mean, there's nothing said ostensibly, but the fact that it's a female pundit. I, I again, I, I call into question whether they would have said the same thing if it had been a male pundit. Maybe they would, but I, I didn't watch the game because I was watching the Albion one. But apparently, it was said in amongst a lot of compliments as well. It wasn't like it was a yeah. overall. She made a lot of complimentary comments about them and made one remark about how maybe they, they, they she's worried they might blow up at the end of the season because they, they run more than anyone else. I mean, it's yeah, it's just ridiculous. Yeah, yeah I, I agree and. It's, it's very unfortunate, as you said, that Ben White's got himself involved. It really, he, he should have left it alone. I know he wants to stay the hero with the fans that adore him from his time on loan there, whatever. And maybe there's an ulterior motive if I go down. No, he should not be focusing he, on any of that. He should be. Exactly. Well, is he thinking we might go down, Leeds might come in? If Who he knows? is, they should sell him, frankly, in that case now. Yeah. Well, 
Yeah, I mean, that's just speculation, of course. I'm just throwing yeah, it in there. But And hopefully it was just a, a, a misstep from, from Ben and nothing more. And we, we'll say no more about that side of it for now. But uh, unless Richard, I have sorry, to, I have want to say, say on, a, on a wider front, you know, clubs and players using social media to express opinion, it does stagger me sometimes that the, the amount or, or the absence of any thought about how a comment is going to be used or interpreted sometimes. Um, you know, Cavani, I know it's a completely different issue. Cavani got in a, you know, has been banned and fined for something that he put on social media. And it's, it's you know, it shouldn't be hard to, to just, just before you hit send. Yeah. Think, you know, how is, how is this going to be used or viewed? Or am I getting, you know, is, is, the, is the risk bigger than the benefit? And if it is, then don't do it. Frankly, yeah. these days, I would stay as far away from social media as possible, especially yeah. a Premier League player. Yeah. It should is the I word, isn't it? Should no, shouldn't be hard. Rashford's done a very good job on social media. I would yeah, sure yes, yeah. Of course, as as always, bad he, news gets gets he is covered the more. Though. Far more players get into trouble on social media than do the great things like Marcus Rashford. Well, I, I I don't know necessarily. It's just that um, the getting into trouble makes the headlines, isn't it? And generates. Yeah, um, that's true. Almost. Which is what well, I've also, I've also heard that, I mean, it, it puts the FA and the authorities in a very difficult position because it's quite a difficult thing to police and come up with a proportionate sanction for. And I've heard the view expressed that, you know, you should be able to say what you want on social media. It's not the same as it shouldn't be treated as harshly as, you know, flying in with a knee high tackle and risking someone else's career. Well, yeah, but if you're putting out abusive messages or things that are likely to be picked up, and you know, exaggerated as abusive messages by other parties. Then I'll, you know, argue. I would argue it should be punished. Yeah, there's a different kind of damage done. Very different kind of damage to a leg break, isn't there? With this sort of thing, it's it's a slow uh, spread. It's it's a continual um, expansion and reinforcement of this thing we said about the sexist side of it. You know. And also with any racist connotations, um, yeah. there's no excuses. If you come in from abroad, it means something else when you say that abroad. It doesn't matter. You're in England. So you've got a, a large number of, of English fans reading your tweets. Either way around, irrespective of that, it's a global thing anyway, Twitter. So people are reading it. It's, you know, it's in English, to be honest. Though. Some some of the stuff that's been said by the, the players that have come in, um, it really isn't. Yeah, it's so naive, isn't it, of them? And I think a lot of clubs do try and monitor social media, but even then, it's you know, under different names or not just just not being able to resist uh, the urge. And as you said, the immediacy of hitting send shouldn't be a problem to just stop for a second and think, "Hang on, let me cool down here." Sometimes, yeah, um, and, you know, that, that, you know the, the it's acceptable in some other cultures and parts of South America. I mean, that's the same argument that that was used in Suarez's defence when he, you know, in that Everett episode wasn't it which was years and years ago so yeah the principle that just because it's culturally acceptable somewhere else doesn't mean that it's culturally acceptable in the uk or should be and helping people to understand that should be part of the club's role i think yeah well that that was obviously um one very unfortunate incident that happened just uh just before the uh, end of the year another one was the uh, well the rumored issue of kyle walker getting himself and others into trouble um the rumour is that he apparently organised a party for something like 20 Premier League players that he knows, um, presumably some of them teammates. Um, and there's been an outbreak of COVID amongst Premier League clubs. Incidentally, the Fulham game 
has been postponed again. They, they have their game at Tottenham postponed. Their game with Burnley today has also been postponed. Um, but anyway, I'm not saying that's necessarily connected. It might be, it might be indirectly connected. But Walker's got a track record already, hasn't he, here? He hired escorts for a private party uh, <clears throat> um, in the past. I think there was another infringement. I can't remember what it was. So he's got form in this. Whether or not he's actually as guilty as has been rumoured, I'm not sure if there's been any substantial reports. But, you know, what's the matter with the bloke? This This sort of thing is just embarrassing, isn't it? It's not difficult. Yeah, it's an it's an absolute disgrace. Considering how far we've you know people have fought to get Premier League football back and to get games going ahead. Personally, and I, I don't think they'll do it. But if it's found that he did it, he should be banned for I don't know somewhat ten games like that. Plus, Man City should lose their game at Everton. And if any player is found to have attended and caused the game to be called off, that they should be banned for five games minimum, and their team should lose the game that was called off. That is the minimum yeah. they should do. They need to crack down on this. Otherwise, these people are basically going to keep taking the piss. Any people player, are taking it too lightly, aren't they? Is any of these any moron who attended should be banned for significantly as well. You can't just blame Kyle Walker for idiots turning up at this party as well. Yeah, people who take it too lightly. There was a professor on Five Live this week saying that people that uh, disregard the rules flagrantly have blood on their hands. Yeah, they we're, won't we're know it. At home, and then these people just piss around like that and kind of... Yeah. Because they've got the money to do it. It's just disgraceful. Yeah. It's an indirect offence, isn't it? Because they're they're doing something and they're not going to see the consequences directly and specifically, only in terms of general figures, maybe. And and, and they can easily wash their hands of of guilt in their own head by thinking, well, I probably didn't do that. It was probably somebody else or whatever, you know. The fact of the matter is, if people anywhere don't stick to the rules, they are helping keep the problem going. Yeah, we've got vaccines coming. But in the meantime, can't we just try and, and keep everybody alive <laughs> until then? You know, it's, I, I've got nothing but to contempt for yeah, people I, that I, do. I, you know, I don't know whether that specific allegation is true or not. Yeah, but, yeah, we have to say but, that. Yeah, you yeah. know, if I was the manager of a club or the chairman of a club where something was something like that was demonstrated to be true, you know, I would I would be absolutely fuming, and in, you know, you should impose very very severe punishments on it yeah. because the, the whole the whole you know integrity of matches and the league, quite apart from the public health issues that you just mentioned, Russell, depend on people sticking to the protocols. And we yeah. saw what happened with uh, who was it? The England players, Foden and someone else, wasn't it? Greenwood, Greenwood. yeah, who broke protocols somewhere, Co- Copenhagen, I think. Yeah, I think so. um. Sorry? Oh, that's right. Iceland, yeah. yeah. Iceland, was it? Okay. Um, I knew it was north. Um, you know, and, and there have to be exemplary punishments. If you, if you, you know, the rules are very simple, <laughs> yeah. aren't they? Yeah. It really isn't that difficult to stick to them, I don't think. I know it's, it's hard in some respects if you're single and you're on your own. I understand that. That isn't easy. But these guys do have a bubble as well. Um, you know, they've got colleagues they've got people they can interact with it's not as if they are sitting in isolation which is very hard for and they also have a lot of space as well they're not like playing they're not like staying in a one-bedroom flat or something like that they're they're staying in mansions most of them if anyone should be able to stay at home you know it's and to to not have parties it's people who have so much space as them i mean they've probably got huge grounds in their houses as well kyle walker must have 100 grand a week something like that yeah, no, I mean, we, we must stress, you know, as, as we said, this is unconfirmed it's reports, but it, it's so widely rumoured and and it's all all over the press um, behind the scenes that clearly something's happened somewhere and whoever's to blame. Yeah, I agree with those 
that those of you who just said that they should be heavily punished because they are affecting they're affecting the integrity of the competition, but they're also potentially giving an unfair advantage to themselves. If they, for example, if you are in a team that's not in the best of form, you're playing a team that's in really good form, and the game is cancelled because of your your team members, they've they've taken away a, a potential temporary advantage within the narrative of the season. Um, I, I know that could go the other way as well, but you know, there's all sorts of things added to this in terms of. I mean, you can't do much about. Uh, games having to be called off for whatever reason they are, but you want it to be at a minimum. The more it's happening, the more it's reducing the integrity of the competition, isn't it? Well, and also, it's also, you know, cancellation of games for reasons of COVID outbreaks among players is a really difficult issue to police anyway. And you've heard, you know, Mourinho made some, and I think justifiable, critical comments about the cancellation of Tottenham's game about three hours before it was due to start or something when there'd been rumours of it in the press for at least 24 hours before that. And you do, you know, you guys may know more about what, what, did, what did the league know or see? What evidence did they have? When did they have it? Yeah. What were the causes of positive tests to the extent that that was known? I mean, all of that is relevant information, but it's really hard to adjudicate on yeah, um, and, 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 and maintain a level of fairness. Everton said a yeah. similar thing before the Man City game last week, which was called off. Well, yeah, and Everton, of course, had, um, had well, it was a ticketed event. They, they had fans due yeah. to go to the match at the time. Liverpool's now gone into tier three, I think it is, isn't it? But at the time, they could have gone, they could have attended. And, you know, that's an extra headache that's been caused by, we think, by unnecessary behaviour. Um, and and but, an extra slight advantage that they've lost as well, potentially. I mean, it might be that they end up playing in May when Everton, when Goodison Park is full because everything's sorted, but it also might be yeah, they end up can playing go the in the when there's no one in the ground and, you know, City don't have to worry about any away fans, any home yeah. fans. Well, you know, if it, if it proliferates, it creates a real headache for, for, for the league. If you have loads of postponements backed up because the season started late, there's no slack at the end of the season, ostensibly, because of the yeah. Euros. Um, just... And even, even if there was, if you have some teams who are sort of four games behind other teams, it unbalances uh, the, the competition anyway. So it's really... Yeah, it's really if you look at if you look at non-league, not so much now, but certainly in the past, I remember looking through the the lower divisions as a kid growing up, looking in the newspaper and seeing these league tables, and always thinking it was such a mess having so many games in hand here and there. I always felt that reduced the integrity of those competitions. And obviously, that was a lot to do with pitches and weather at the time were not as good as they are now. Um, although, of course, they've got a similar problem for COVID reasons this this time around. But um, yeah, it, it just makes a mess and it won't help City because they've got more congestion. Um, Andy, I think you just final point on this. I'll go to you. Yeah, I mean, my, mine is my point's far more kind of long term, really, which is um, what happens if too many fixtures are cancelled because the, there really isn't much time. Um, I will um, make the point about Fulham. They've um, had two fixtures cancelled now. There are what it looks like our direct rival for a relegation place, um, you know, they may well have it extremely tough as a result of that. And um, I suppose we need to gem up on the rules about um, completing the season. From um, it, it was suggested, but not confirmed, that if two thirds of the season has been played, then you can go with the table as is. Um, you know, presumably you'd need to, to um, make parity of the number of games played. Um, but um, 
yeah, that's that's something that we're probably going to need to consider because um, the cancellations are coming quite thick and fast at the moment, aren't they? Yeah, yeah. And, and obviously the COVID situation is worse than it's ever been at the moment. Um, yeah. Uh, although there is light at the end of the tunnel with the vaccine, um, this new strain, the number of cases, hospitalizations, is is um, extremely concerning. Hmm. Yeah. Uh, sorry, Peter. Did you want to add something yeah, to that as well? The other thing is obviously that you know, kind of any team who has their game called off now will have any January signings available for that game. So it may, yeah. be, you know, kind of, it may not benefit Fulham or it may benefit them if they manage to get a striker and who's quite decent. And you mentioned Tottenham won't be that busy in the window. Then, you know, it kind of uh, it might mean they've got more chance of beating Tottenham. Although I still hopefully they won't. Yeah. Or, or Burnley. Um, yeah. So yeah, and, and it, to be honest, if it, if it's proven that any player went to Walker, as I said, if if Walker had a party and any players went to that party, and they their game was called off as a result, they should be they should lose the game three 0 mm. in my view. Yeah, that's I think you got to, you know you can ban the player for a couple of games, you can find them, but that's not going to stop people. You need to get get their clubs to stop people doing that. And the only way to do that is to you know, loop, you know give them forfeiting games, basically. It, it would also be interesting to just go back to the previous point to know uh, under what circumstances and for what reasons the Premier League or the FA would would agree to a postponement. Because my understanding was or is that you know as long as you've got fourteen players available then the game should go ahead. Yeah, we were debating... It's entirely separate from the issue as to whether there's been any misbehaviour that's caused yeah. the case. You know, is it, surely it can't be the case that, that the league would, would sanction what looks like somebody saying we'd like the game cancelled because some of our best players are unavailable rather than we can't get, we, we can't get 14 players or whatever the minimum is, um, you know, for a matchday squad. So I would, I would like to know more about why and on what evidence, you know, there is agreement to cancel the game. Yeah, we were debating the last issue, what addition, what actually 14 players mean. I mean, obviously, if you go down to the end of 12, presumably any team can get 14 players. <laughs> but I'm assuming it must be from the 25-man squad. And a yeah. lot of teams don't have players in that. I mean, Tarek Lamptey's not in ours, I don't think, because he doesn't need to be. Um, so it's a bit of a, yeah, it's a bit of a... Uh, a bit of a weird thing that 14 players and I noticed the FA have said that even if clubs have only got 14 players available they've got to play in the FA Cup whatever happens it sounds like they kind of the FA the FA Cup will go ahead basically from the sound of what they're mm. interesting not necessarily the most kind of public safety kind of uh, point but it's slightly concerning on one hand but suggests that they, they don't believe any team only has 14 players available yeah, indeed. Well, I think on that point, we'll probably break for the end of part two. In part three, we're going to do reflections on the year just gone, uh, both in terms of the Albion and on the wider picture. Um, and then in part four, a quick quiz. So join us again after this break. So that, in fact, concludes the first half of our New Year's special. The other parts, three and four, will be represented in a separate podcast downloadable in which we will be reflecting on the year as a whole, uh, particularly in regards to the Albion and football, but in the wider world too. And we will be having our special New Year's quiz. Stay tuned for that one. And in the meantime, Happy New Year to everyone. Sports Social Podcast Network. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. 
This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandsLots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.